Dungeons and Dopamine. Ta-da! Hi, and welcome to week 10 of Dungeons and Dopamine. 10! Ten. 10 weeks! That's double digits. That's double digits. We made it to double digits. We should have a party. We should have a party. We should have a party this weekend with our besties. I think we should probably put that in motion. I think so. Yeah. We'll get to it right away. <laughs> and then we should make a bonus episode. Yes. All set. Amazing. <laughs> I'm Brie, by the way. I'm Jess. Yeah, I mean, you should know. You should know. If you don't, you should probably go back to episode one and start there. You should. I know that it's tough because it doesn't have our opening sequence and thus is inferior. True. And I know you have to struggle through seven and eight where we battled the tech audio goblins. Not our fault. Not our fault. I mean, it was kind of my fault, but like... (laughs) But the goblins must have changed that setting. Yeah, obviously. Not our fault. Those little bastards. Jerks. (laughs) <laughs> so dopamine so dopamine i bought a shirt i um, love it we've talked more than once now about old cartoons you read this castle and all real monsters all real monsters i bought an all real monster shirt and it's fantastic i'm obsessed it Do came in the mail today remember their names uh the um irena or georgina something like that I feel like Irina or Crunk or Crunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't remember the red guy. I don't remember his name at all. Yeah, and I'm gonna hear it and be really mad that I'm just gonna Google. That's probably wise. Real monsters. I'm hoping that my Oblina. Oblina. Okay. Yeah, I never would have remembered that. Oblina Ickis. Ickis. And crumb. Yes. R U M M. I think that if I would have heard um, Ickis, I would have remembered crumb. Yep. Now all I can picture is crumb as Victor Crumb <laughs> from Harry Potter. I'm not gonna lie. And it's working yeah. for me. They could be the same person. You think crumb would have been a Slytherin if he was in Hogwarts? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I hope secretly he would have been a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Which, In his heart, he's a Hufflepuff. I mean, he does love Hermione very fiercely for not knowing her. Right. So maybe he is a Hufflepuff. He's not smart enough to be a Ravenclaw. No, no, not at all. And I mean, maybe a Gryffindor. Probably. Yeah. It'd probably be a toss-up between Slytherin and Gryffindor. I just feel I, he's totally brave. He's got that. Absolutely. He just also has like a. Brrr. But do you think that's? Because of who he is, or because of where he goes to school, and because of his celebrity status, mm-hmm. mm. and he's a quidditch—he's a professional Quidditch player. He right. really has to be his character all the time. Yeah. Hmm. Everybody's everybody's just trying their best, Jessica. <laughs> Please be kind. <laughs> Creaking all up in my chair right now. I don't know. If- I'm gonna give you. Uh, hard standard chair like you gave me so that you can't move anymore <laughs> look i like to swivel i mean this really is best for me anyway the less i can move the more my voice actually makes it to the microphone the real problem was actually that the chair you were sitting in that did move 
every time it moves, it goes. <laughs> and mine does when I move violently. Right. Um, but not when you fidget. Like yeah. I constantly. Yeah. So even like <laughs> the seat you were sitting in for everyone who cannot see us at the moment is Ryan's computer chair. And sometimes when I'm working, because I work from home in my normal day job, my cat will get in the chair. And my cat is like seven pounds, but every time she gets into the chair, it goes, <laughs> and it gives me a heart attack every time until I realize it's my stupid cat. Well, especially since she pretty much blends she, into it. She does. So much so that my mom accidentally sat on her once. Oh, <laughs> poor Pace. <laughs> She's never been the same. I mean, she was a little weird to start, let's be fair. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't get a black tailless cat without some sort of attitude. Correct. I mean, and the cat has she... an attitude, not me. <laughs> or your mom. <laughs> well. That's true. <laughs> she wants a spider plant from you. Yes. Oh, um, guys. What cat we were just talking about? tried her best to murder Aragog. But I think he's going to make a full recovery. I think he'll be fine. They're pretty resilient to trauma. Because mine's still <laughs> alive, and I'm sure I've dropped her at least once. Okay. Alright, good. I have a bunch of new babies, plus Perfect. I have a couple that have been propagating, so I will bring her... I'm just going to bring it to my office until she shows up at the township hall again. <laughs> Tell her, <laughs> plans at the office, I can't help you. She'll be like... <laughs> I'll just have to wait until it's, like, dog license time. You should probably make her listen to the podcast. Like, once she gets here to this spot, she can then text she me. she would know that her... It'd be like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. I could get her some freebies if she comes into the office, too. Yep. See, Carla? If you would listen... If you'd have listened faster and you sooner. You would have known that you had free giveaways at my office. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We should do a spider plant giveaway for one of our listeners. We should. Oh my gosh. I'll even get a special planter. I'm... How special? (laughs) (laughs) From my plant store, it says funny, sometimes inappropriate things. (laughs) I have one that says, talk dirt to me. (laughs) But I also have one that says, I'm rooting for you. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) So... We should absolutely do this. I'm not sure yes. how we're going to do this, but now that it's in my brain... We'll have to come up with a contest. I'm not writing a note because I'll forget the moment we're done doing this or anything. That's a good idea. <laughs> come up with contest to win plants. I'm so excited. Heart. <laughs> That's how you know she's excited. She drew a heart next I to drew the word. Heart. I'm very excited with this. Thank I've been you. waiting to do a giveaway, but... We still haven't done a Patreon or anything, so we're still broke. True. We can only give away things like free plants that I'm growing. Exactly. (laughs) I can also grow a free plant. It's just grass. (laughs) (laughs) Just give somebody a little planter full of your yard. (laughs) It would just be grass in one of those padded envelopes. (laughs) Not even in a planter. No. Not even pulled with, like, roots or dirt. Mm -mm. It's just, like, cut grass Mm -hmm. in an envelope. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll probably just rip it. It probably won't be cut. It'll be really distressed grass because I've just grabbed it and ripped it out of the yard. I throw a rock in too. Oh, perfect. Rock on. People collect rocks. 
I yeah, I have so many rocks. I'm sure it's the type that people collect too. They're well, not like I'll specific a, about those things. Not at all. I'll use a permanent marker to write get high. Because that's our new slogan from last week. Yeah. Oh, we can have it be better than getting high. Yes. Good. I'm glad we're naming our episodes a week later. <laughs> Look. <laughs> it really has to come naturally. We can't force this process. Just like getting high. So if, you're, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, then you're really confused about why we've suddenly become druggies. It's because it's called a helper's high and it's super cool science i think that you should stop the episode right now we're like eight minutes in step aside go listen to episode nine catch up how to get high figure out how to get high get high come back Mm -hmm. figure out how to enter for a plant giveaway which we don't know yet so (laughs) that's gonna be amazing but maybe (laughs) we'll know by the end of this podcast (laughs) or you'll have to find out next week so you have to keep listening we just have, like, an ongoing contest to start a contest. <laughs> we just make everybody listen every single week. We'll, like, give away one word per week. <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. No, it'll be, like, Wheel of Fortune style, but we'll just give away one letter per week. Yes. And once you can guess the phrase, then you get a plan. And and we'll, really, like, we'll give that away at the year episode. Because we were just talking yeah. about having a year. So we're, like, 42 away from that. Mm-hmm. So... I, for the first time, covered in ADHD. ADHD brought me dopamine this week. Hmm. I I don't... This is like a vortex. It's it's pulling me in. (laughs) I feel like it's Something's calling to me. (laughs) (laughs) This is too meta for any of this. An ADHD podcast that talks about ADHD? I do find it really ironic that we've never like actually had an episode about dopamine or adhd until this moment or dungeons i mean we've talked about dungeons a number of times but i don't feel like any episode specifically focused on them i'm gonna do my darndest darndest to i'm eating cheetos by the way (laughs) as i speak to you all because sometimes we need snacks i do need snacks i mean we do need snacks but Mm -hmm. you ate something the last recording session and now it's my turn yeah that's totally fair not that we record more than one at a time we totally um no no we totally these are like basically live yeah totally they're not like weeks later i totally lost my train of thought (laughs) cool one billion percent Mm -hmm. i was literally in the middle of my sentence (laughs) why don't we talk about adhd (laughs) i'm just who has adhd not me i told one of my co-workers about the podcast and I always preface things by being like, yeah, my best friend and I have ADHD. And then I jokingly was like, but you can't tell. <laughs> she just looked at me through the camera. Like, waiting for you to get the punchline. That's not funny. <laughs> You're the most ADHD we person I've met. We talk about this all the time. <laughs> we have a fun started for you. <laughs> you better meds. Guess what Jessica did today? <laughs> Writing a book. <laughs> I, mean, I wish I could remember what I was going to say. I'm sure it was, like, majorly important. You're going to realize it when you're editing. I'm going to pause this and put in a... Editor's note. Yes. <laughs> Jessica actually meant to say. This is future Jessica. I'm here to tell you that 
I like future Jessica. She's very nice about our technological issues. She is. Mm-hmm. She's a very giving, kind person. And she's Sounded so pretty. Very professional and helpful and caring as well. She likes Cheetos. <laughs> Does she? <laughs> I'll admire some. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else I can get out of this. Like, she loves Carmelo's and Ghirardelli. Oh, gosh, Carmel I chocolates. forgot about Carmelo's. How could you? You have loved Carmelo's since the moment I met you. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so this has all been really important. Mm-hmm. Much, much more important than anything else. Whatever I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. I was hoping if we rambled long enough, it would I would come remember. Back to you, I know. But it's not. I remember looking at my microphone with a Cheeto in my mouth and being like, blah, blah, blah. I'm eating Cheetos. <laughs> there goes end my thought. Of thought. <laughs> oh my gosh, when did you get here? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> what are we doing? Did I ever tell you about my podcast? <laughs> you have a podcast? Oh. Me too. Amazing. <laughs> I talk about dungeons in mine. <laughs> Maybe that's what I was going to say. I was thinking at one point that... Oh, you were going to talk about dungeons. Yes! That was a clap. Sorry if that was really loud. I'll edit it later. So <laughs> If it's still really loud, it's because I was too Sorry, lazy. Sorry, future Jessica. <laughs> you deserved it. Stop eating Cheetos. So, I think that for our year episode, we should just learn everything we can about dungeons of all sorts and talk about dungeons solely i'm in maybe a dragon because i kept trying to rename her show true i mean there has to be dragon dungeons sure or dungeon dragons i can think of one in skyrim mm-hmm. i'm thinking of the wyverns in throne of glass oh yes they were in dungeons <gasps> we still have to get to our unpopular opinions episode as well yep we still have to do that we're waiting for Maybe more unpopular opinions. There are unpopular dungeon opinions. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a song on the fly, so I couldn't keep going, but it was okay because we laughed anyway. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about ADHD. I'm specifically, I'm calling it ADHD and premonitions because... I don't know why, except that I like the word premonitions, because I actually kept this very scientific and did not get into the woo-woo premonition stuff, even though I could have. Maybe that will be a topic for another day. This one I kept scientific because, as we learned last week, I really like scientific stuff. I like having science to prove facts. I enjoy, especially when science can prove things about our brain or our feelings or things that might have been considered spiritual or religious or some sort of outside factor before we understood brains and sciencey stuff. I think that's where the majority of my old folklore came Mm -hmm. from. Folklore and mental health issues. Yes. That used to be, you know, people used to be burned at the stake for being witches and now we know it's probably mental health issues. I'm positive that it would have been. I'm positive that I would have been oh, because of my widow's peak. peak. Or witch's peak. <laughs> <laughs> also, you should get rid of that witch's peak. It's really giving you away. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what you really think? <laughs> so, and I do kind of want to have a side note here by... I just want to say, I'm at this time in my life, I am not a religious person. I, I was when I was younger, and I know you are. 
Um, so I have, I try to be really careful about what words I choose here. And none of that is to say that I don't believe in anything. And I do have some beliefs and it's more of like a spiritual universe connections thing. And that kind of goes back to that woo-woo thing that I'm not going to talk about here. But a lot of this is about how we feel and how we understand the world and how our how we connect to our world so i don't think i can get away with talking about it without talking about anything like that and if you're listening you know you can interpret that however you want and i talk about that because when i use the word premonition i'm not saying that as people with adhd we can tell the future i unfortunately do not believe that i have the sight Although I have wished it many times, I would have used it much better than I have in my life if I had the sight. But really, what I'm talking about is that gut feeling. I had not connected this to ADHD until TikTok became a thing, and it was actually talked about by one of the guys that used to do all the... He probably still does. I don't TikTok anymore. But he because talk, of your ADHD. Because of because it stresses me out because of my ADHD. <laughs> but he would talk about his symptoms in a real way, and he'd kind of tell stories with it. And then I also read kind of something similar online. Basically, it boiled down to people would talk about their ADHD friend and how they always followed that person's feelings. The particular story was they showed up to a party. It was a group of guy friends. They show up to a party and one of their friends looks around, basically looks around. They spend two minutes there and the guy looks around and goes, nope, we gotta go. And his friends were like, what do you mean? We just got here. And he's like, nope, the vibe's off. Something's off. We should go. And they had, I think they stayed for one drink and then they all left and they went and had like a chill night playing video games or something. And they found out later that the party like People got aggressive, people got in a fight, the cops were called, people were hurt, people were ticketed, people went to jail, like it was a big deal. And I read that and I started thinking about my experiences and the times I've followed my gut feeling and how it has worked out pretty well for me and what the ADHD connection is there because it was brought up on TikTok and on Reddit as being like an ADHD superpower, this intuition or this gut feeling. Look, we've earned at least one superpower. <laughs> right. For living with this. <laughs> for putting so up with I this. hope so. <laughs> yes. And and that is important. I do even some of the websites I looked at when I started talking about this topic straight out prefaced with as much as I'm going to talk about this intuition as a superpower or a benefit to ADHD, it still is hard to live with ADHD. It is still a disorder. It is still a deficit of some sort. And the way we learn to live with it can make it seem like we have superpowers or maybe that's just how we deal with having to deal with it every day as we call them superpowers. But the, I mean, my brain still doesn't work really well some days and it is still a problem for a lot of people. So we don't wanna glorify this. It's not like, I remember being very young and reading the Babysitter Club books, and yes, I yeah. always wanted to be Marianne, obviously, because she was the book, <laughs> the book nerd and quiet, and she wore glasses, and it made me want glasses so bad. I remember being a child and like shining a flashlight into my eyeballs, oh, no. so that I would hopefully need glasses. And I am now 37 years old, and I still don't need glasses, so. I'm not encouraging anybody to like hope they have ADHD or wish they had ADHD right. or as much as I'm going to talk about this cool phenomenon, I'm not 
glorifying it, I guess. Of course. So my gut feelings, and I do also want to preface this with, I was not doing drugs when I made any of these decisions. <laughs> I was not just cooking up harebrained schemes in my free time. And I also want to say that, especially these first couple of decisions, maybe I didn't realize they were gut instinct decisions at the time. But some of my big ones, like when I dropped out of college, it was kind of a just an instant gut instinct decision. My parents were very unhappy about it, but I decided to give up on school and get a real job. I ended up in a local factory job and it honestly changed my life. I Some people that I'm very good friends with now are people I met at that job. It gave me some other options from what had been told to us as children. You know, you have to go to school and you have to go to college and you have to get one of these six jobs. You can be a police officer or a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer. Or a nurse. Or a nurse. So breaking from that allowed kind of my perfectionist brain because as a high functioning ADHD girl, I was not diagnosed in high school. I was a perfectionist. I did a lot of things right and never wanted to do anything wrong. So giving myself the chance to explore those new options really opened up a lot of avenues for me. When I was 22, I decided to donate a kidney to a boy that I had just met. And again, I would do it again. Sure. There is not a doubt in my mind that going back, if I went back in time and somebody gave me an out, I would not have taken it. And there's not a doubt in my mind that if somehow I could regrow kidneys <laughs> and give more away, I would probably do that too. But I still want to go back to 22 year old me and be like, are you sure? Right. <laughs> because you're a child. <laughs> Beyond being life-changing for what it did for me and for Jeremy, it actually kind of pivoted my life towards the medical field. Yeah. And changed everything. I, I had never considered the medical field before that. I was terrified of blood. I was scared of needles. And within a year of my kidney donation, I started at Ross Medical, I learned phlebotomy, I did all the medical things, and was in the medical field for six, seven, eight years, maybe? I don't know, well, a lot of years. Extending into the Kidney Foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, even when I started at the Kidney Foundation, I was still teaching for Ross at the time. Yeah. So Because that, you can't just have one job. No, all the jobs, all the time. <laughs> Multiple jobs. For 11 years <laughs> and then probably the most ridiculous biggest gut decision I ever made was when I sold everything I owned and went on a road trip stayed in Tacoma Washington for four weeks and then decided to come home kind of put things in perspective once I once I was out on my own and, and seeing other places and meeting new people that really this is where I'm meant to be and turns out I well, I already knew my husband, but I ran into him shortly after I got back and proposed to him less than six months later. <laughs> um, so that would be another gut decision, Zach and I. I proposed to Zach and I proposed to him really only months after we became official. But here we are, 10 years later. Oh yeah, gut feelings. So my gut feelings have typically worked out for me. I'm not going to say that every decision that I've made has been a gut feeling. I, I won't even tell you that every career change I've made has been a gut feeling because sometimes it was just because I was bored or I needed a new challenge or I needed more money or however it worked out. There have only been a couple that I feel like became a, a 
from a gut feeling. And I probably ignored a lot of those gut feelings early on in my life because I wasn't ready to trust myself. The last big gut feeling decision I had was actually when I went into real estate. And this October, that'll have been five years, which officially makes it the longest career I've ever had. (laughs) So I'm going to say that was a win too. I think those gut decisions or following those is probably part of a bigger path for me. If I had not listened to my gut feeling on a lot of these things, I would have been on a different path that may have been... Dangerous? Dangerous or unhappy or not fulfilling. Like when we're buying a house, not you and me, we're not buying a house. (laughs) Not yet. It's not (laughs) a question. We did accidentally once make a trip to New York, which felt like a very much gut decision because it happened within the span of less than 24 hours. Exactly. And worked out great. We were just talking about how amazing it was. Following your gut could also play into keeping yourself safe. You know, being in those situations where you feel like the vibe is off somewhere. And there are plenty of internet stories and plenty of anecdotal stories about yeah I just had a bad feeling and so we left and 20 minutes later this happened. I do encourage people to listen to their gut and trust their instinct both in those safety instances but when buying a house. People get so caught up in this market and feeling like they have to bid on everything because everything's a bidding war. And I encourage all of my buyers to wait until they know it's the one. And it sounds so cheesy and it sounds so ridiculous, but there is a feeling you'll get when you walk into the house that's yours. I can always tell when it's the right house. And because I encourage people to pay attention to that, I then, of course, went to Google. Because if I can prove scientifically (laughs) why we should listen to our gut instinct, then even better for me. And for this, I actually started with Google Scholar. So I first looked for legitimate scientific scholarly researched articles. And unsurprisingly, there were not many. There were literally none if you look for ADHD and premonition, which I expected. If you look for ADHD and intuition, the first articles I found were a lot of comparing people with ADHD and like entrepreneurs or high functioning um, CEOs and things like that. And there is a lot of data coming out that ADHD people actually make great entrepreneurs. And it has to do with our risk taking and just other things like that. The first study I could find that actually talked about intuition, it's not the most scientifically accurate study, but it, again, was one of the only ones I could find, and it focused on six males that had ADHD. It is a self-reported study, obviously very small. It's only six males. I think they were between the ages of 20 and 45. They basically just spent hours interviewing these guys. And so it was all self-reported about their own ADHD and what they think they suffer with, what they think is positive, what they struggle with, what they exceed at, and their own experiences and stories. They took all that information and they broke down basically ADHD or ADHD people. They narrowed down six traits 
and then a bunch of like sub traits. The six traits that are considered ADHD and positive traits are cognitive dynamism, which is kind of like the busy mind stuff. So okay. the hyper focus and the antsiness and talkative, the bouncing subjects, all of that. Courage, energy, humanity, resilience, and tr transcendence. And when I read Transcendence, I was like, this sounds a little bit too hippy-dippy for this episode. But then they explained Transcendence as more appreciation of beauty, appreciation of excellence, feelings of awe, you know, things that make you have goosebumps, that type of thing. Not like, I transcended to a new world. <laughs> Not like dreamwalking. And <laughs> right. I was like, I don't think that's an ADHD thing because I can't even <laughs> meditate. So, again, some issues with this study. They were all considered to have high-functioning ADHD because we are finding now that ADHD is a spectrum, much like autism or probably even they're saying now on the same spectrum as autism. I thought so. I thought they were starting to link them together, mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense. Right. And it's good that we know that it's a spectrum. I would say you and I are probably lucky in that we have ADHD, but being women, it presented in different ways than maybe some of our childhood friends that were boys that had ADHD, how it presented. And we're on the higher end of the functioning scale of that. You know, I understand that some people struggle much more with their ADHD symptoms. They have much more debilitating symptoms and bigger problems and aren't as easily able to adapt and Especially learn. Especially young boys. Yes. How do you, as a, as a little kid in third or fourth grade, understand that your racing thoughts and the fact that you can't listen to your teachers because of a, dis a disorder you have and how to fix it. Right, and not just because you're naughty and you yeah. can't stand still. I know you and I had some boosts in life because we didn't have those symptoms. We didn't need to be kicked out of class all the time. So we were able to sit and learn and able to come up with our own ways to deal with really, things. I mean, we, we read a lot. So the six men that, that were the focus of the study were also very high functioning. So they were smart. They had jobs that are considered successful. They were doing well in their jobs. So they had those six traits and then they broke the traits down into smaller sub-traits. And what I thought was interesting is they took all of those traits and sub-traits and compared them with like a psychology manual called Character Strengths and Virtues, which is a handbook that basically lists a whole bunch of good traits that good people have. Okay. And many of the traits and sub-traits in the list were found in that list or in that book. But some of them, such as cognitive dynamism, energy, divergent thinking, hyper-focused, non-conformist, adventurous, self-acceptance, and sublimation are not listed in that handbook. Reading that, I mean, some of them maybe could be considered negative, but I would consider those all positive traits. So what they think is this is actually because these are traits that are specific only to people that have ADHD. So they don't appear in this handbook because mm. they're not really found in the general population. Interesting. Right? So... I got really excited about this because this is not great scientific information, but it's there and it's something besides all of the 
studies out there that prove that there's a deficit, that um, the dopamine's not produced correctly, or the serotonin doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and the wavelengths don't connect, whatever. This is something that tells us (laughs) we're set apart, but it's not all bad. These are good traits that potentially only ADHD people have. Getting into those different traits, I already told you kind of what cognitive dynamism means, but it's that ceaseless mental activity, it's the hyper-focused, divergent thinking, creativity, curiosity. These tend to be things that are ignored in ADHD people because they're overshadowed by some of the more irritating or bad traits or they you can't see them as much so they're not talked about or they come out in ways that maybe are negative so a creative child might be doing poorly in math because they can't concentrate and they want to put all their creativity energy into something beautiful or create something or they're coloring on walls because they (laughs) yes are so creative they can't figure out how to stop exactly uh hyper focus in this study was talked about as kind of a flow and other other previous studies have defined it as complete absorption in an activity that produces intense feelings of enjoyment which i thought was interesting considering what our podcast is yeah yeah so that hyper focus that we've been talking about and these dopamine these dopamine kicks is all scientifically proven there in our brain that hyperfocus isn't just that I can get really into what I'm reading. So before we even before I even started researching, we built this whole podcast around hyperfocusing on things that give us dopamine. And that's something that apparently only ADHD people do. <gasps> We're special. And it is actually creating dopamine in our brain. It is producing intense feelings of enjoyment. I think that's incredible. Um, and it makes sense because this podcast, when I think about it, when like something cool happens, like we get a comment from someone that we don't know, I get so excited. Yeah. Like there's so much joy in me that, that happened. It's, it, and I feel like I'm bringing joy to other people. Yeah. Plus, I really just enjoy these topics. Then I'm not going to talk about all of these traits, but kind of touch on the ones that I think focus really on this intuition part. The next one is courage. Courage is pretty self-explanatory. This can be related to our impulsiveness or our lack of impulse control. So something that makes us look courageous might only be happening because our brain doesn't stop us from doing some things. But also, they talked about like the social justice courage or like from my previous topic, standing up for other groups of people or standing up for marginalized groups. And they think people with ADHD are more willing to have that courage or do that because we learn so early in life that we're never really going to fit in. So we become very comfortable with standing out or being different or making choices that are outside of the box because we were never going to make those choices anyway because we're not following the crowd. They don't want us there anyway. And then energy kind of really gets into this intuition part. So some of the participants in the study, it was the hyperactivity, especially being men. They probably all had the hyperactivity, especially as children. And of course, the ceaseless mental activity that we talked about with the cognitive dynamism. But 
every participant also talked about energy as in just being connected to something bigger. Whether they were religious or not, some of them talked about it having an energetic spirit or more of a will or drive than other people they knew, but all of them talked about being able to kind of feel energy and how they're connected to other people. And that is one of the building blocks towards this intuition. Humanity covered it a little bit. This is things like social intelligence, humor, self-acceptance, recognition of feelings. So talking about the friend that said, no, the vibe feels off at this party. Right. Because part of our self-recognition or being able to recognize emotions and feelings is we start to also be able to recognize those in other people. Okay. So I don't know what it is about ADHD people that makes us have a higher social intelligence or self-acceptance, probably again because we got used to it when we were younger that we were never going to fit in or we were always going to be a little bit different. So recognizing that in ourselves and being able to recognize it in others or recognizing our maybe sad feelings in, other, in ourselves gives us that empathy to be able to connect to others as well. Resilience talks about self-regulation, adaptability, flexibility. Those are good traits that we have that allow us to deal with any situation that comes up understand maybe why other people do the things they do because we understand the the need to adapt to situations or be flexible in situations the last thing was the transcendence again so being able to appreciate beauty excellence whether that's nature or other people or the beautiful acts that somebody can do just finding beauty around us being able to still have wonder even as adults so i tried to move on from there and find other studies i found one very small um, capstone project from the university of pennsylvania that talked a little bit about intuition it was like 75 pages and i didn't have a chance to read it but they specifically rent reference the book permission to proceed which is written by david gerwick he talks a lot about intuition and he has a whole ADHD belief book but he talks about intuition in the way I'll just read kind of what it says it says because of ADHD impulsivity and lack of self-awareness along with the potentially sidetracking effect of bright and shiny interest the first four steps of this model can take time to implement over time, however, in his experience with coaching clients, he has noticed that as they listen to the messages of their body, they become more and more attuned and skilled at noticing potential danger zones where they can be hijacked by their ADHD. So he characterizes this as an ADHD intuition to help guide and warn individuals as they navigate everyday life. Basically, this started more research that I found it basically says because of how we have to deal with the world, we are actually creating almost like a safety mechanism with this intuition. Okay. So because we learn as children that we cannot navigate this world the same way this neurotypical kid next to me can, we are always looking out for those pitfalls that might distract us or catch our attention. So we start trusting our bodies 
to know what might catch our attention or what we can do to avoid those pitfalls. So it might be as simple as the kid that's always in trouble for getting out of his seat in school, learning to read his body and know that he does that more if he doesn't run around a lot during recess. So he begins to listen to his body and try to get that extra energy out then or gets himself fidget toys or however he can figure out how to make his body and his brain do what needs to be done. Yeah. And then kind of just started talking about why I think this all happens or why this ADHD intuition exists. And some of it was kind of backed up on some by some of the websites I read. But just in my own words, I think the reason that we as ADHD people seem to be more intuitive or empathetic or have these feel these gut check feelings about things is because we never learned or we can't filter out all of the information that is being given to us. So if you have a neurotypical brain, they say you could come in here, sit down, look at your computer and focus. You could just do that, read it. You're gonna be able to tune out the rain outside, the person in front of you, the dogs over there, and just get to it and do it. With ADHD, we don't have that ability. So I'm taking in you, all of your facial expressions, what your computer is doing, what the cars outside are doing, what the weather's doing, what the dogs are doing, what's going on over there, what's going on on my computer, what's going on on my phone, what's going on on my watch, all of it. And thinking about what you have to do when you get home tonight after we're done filming. And making sure I take my notes and I do this. And while we usually see this as a deficit, I have a deficit in focus, what that is actually doing for us after 37 years of my brain taking all of this information in and then learning how to filter it so I can function, we're not, for, we're not missing that information. We're not losing that information. It is going in the file cabinets of our probably enormously large file cabinet brains that have been taking in all of this extraneous information for our entire lives. So it's not that I am psychic and I can look at a guy and say, ooh, danger. he's a bad person. It's because for my whole life, I have been noticing every man that's been near me in ways that subconsciously I'm not even, or I have been subconsciously noticing all these things in a way that I'm not even mentally aware of anymore. And it's been filed into my brain in a box that says, this is what scary people do. This is what scary people look like. This is how they act. These are the things they say. These are the mannerisms they have. This is... And if you're neurotypical, you don't have that. You, you have some of that, obviously. Absolutely. But with ADHD, we have more of that. So it's not that we're psychic. It's not that we're intuit, you know, over-intuitive and seeing the future and blessed with second sight or third sight or wherever all the sights are. We just have more information and we have more knowledge floating around that lets us guess or predict what the next thing that's gonna so they a lot of times they used like a phone call your phone rings and you're like oh i bet that's brie calling and it's me and you're like oh i must be psychic but really it's because because you in those two seconds filter and okay it's wednesday and it's this time and 
we're supposed to do this today, so it's probably Bree calling me to ask if I need anything. Or it's Tuesday, and I bet she's thinking about her topics and putting all the finishing touches on stuff and making sure everything's set. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And we don't consciously put that all together and go, oh, this is Bree because of this. We right. think, oh, my phone's ringing. I bet it's Bree. Oh, I, I must have had a feeling. I mean, we still do. We still have those... Of course. Abili- that ability to ca- connect all those puzzles. And this, again, goes on that idea that ADHD and autism are probably more closely connected than we think because it's typically known that people with autism are great at puzzles. Sure. And it's because our brains have this ability to connect things in a way that neurotypical people don't. As a side note, I also wanted to mention that the this feature where I can, or where we hear and see and notice everything, has actually made me particularly good at pretty much all of my jobs. Are you particularly good at finding? I am particularly good at finding because I am a Hufflepuff. Exactly. And also because I notice everything. So I know where that safety pin is because I noticed it on the floor three weeks ago behind a door and I never picked it up because ADHD, but I remember where it is and I know exactly where you can find it. So I am a particularly good finder. Um, (laughs) But it's also, I hear everything. So when I sit in my office, I'm hearing the phone calls that are coming in at the front desk. I'm hearing what's going in the offices next to me. I heard the person that came in the front door. I heard what the building inspector was talking about last week, Thursday, about this particular property. And my brain works in a way that it all goes into a file cabinet. And then two weeks later, when the front desk girl is talking about a file and why she can't find it and where could it be, I'm like, oh, I remember that the building inspector was talking about that last week. I bet it's on his desk. And I look amazing. Right. But it's really just because I can't not hear everything going on. These are the times when I do feel like maybe there is a superpower component to ADHD. Going back to the courage part from before, this also plays in because we've been taking in all this extraneous information, we are more willing to act on that information or listen to that gut feeling or put that puzzle together and run with the answer to it because we've been living our whole lives kind of on the outskirts. One page that I found that was kind of kid-friendly and marketed more towards like parents dealing with young kids that have ADHD, they mentioned spatial awareness, which makes sense to me because I know a lot of ADHD people that have sensory issues or get overstimulated easily. So just to kind of wrap up, like I said, there wasn't a ton of scholarly scientific research about this. Basically, I I do feel like a lot of this intuition boils down to the fact that we observe more, we feel more, we notice more things, whether or not we mean to do it consciously or subconsciously. But for this particular episode, I kind of stopped with just the scientific stuff. I feel like you had a really cool topic for episode 10. And my topic is cool, but it's not as cool and thought-provoking as yours. So stop. <laughs> Feeling very attacked right now. Yeah, I don't, My I don't like this. My vibe is off now. I have to go. You know, maybe it's better that way. <laughs> <laughs> so this week I did dive into something that is actually based in fact. It's a real story. <laughs> and there are some scientific 
bases mm-hmm. C's bases <laughs> base I <laughs> moosen <laughs> boxen <laughs> thank you for knowing what I was talking about immediately <laughs> so we actually talked at one point I, in very very random and very very passing which I think is another nod to our ADHD <laughs> about towns, cities, villages that just got abandoned Mm-hmm. and no reason so i am going to talk this week about the lost colony of roanoke it is incredibly interesting and this one is in fact based in science i have a few next week that might be veering me back toward that conspiracy theory <laughs> lane i love it so my adhd makes my brain be broken <laughs> <laughs> so the lost colony of roanoke in 1558 a group came from england and uh i want to say it was about 100 people they came to roanoke and they landed and they decided they were going to kind of build a little homestead oh i'm so sorry it was actually 600 people i was way off that was (laughs) terrible information i mean it wasn't way off (laughs) If you round it up, it was fine. There's a reason I thought of 100, though, so maybe I can make an excuse. (laughs) So 600 people got here, and I guess they kind of realized that they weren't, like, prepared to be without the comforts of people providing them food and stuff like that. So 100 people decided to stay in Roanoke, and 500 people went back to England. They started to build, they were supposed to build a a place, and these 500 went back to England. They were going to get supplies and get people with the know-how, and they were going to come back, and they were going to colonize. The 100 were, (laughs) the 100 that stayed found that they still just didn't know how to farm. Um, We have much more severe winters and even more harsh summers than England does. It's much more tempid climate. They found that they just, they couldn't sustain life for these 100 people, and they had to turn to the natives on Roanoke. And the natives, after, I believe it was one season, said, we can't do this. We cannot feed you. You have to do this yourself. And we can't do everything for you. Exactly. And this caused a really big rift between these people. So, and forgive me, I don't have the exact details, but a sh- another ship kind of came by and they picked up 85 of these people that were here. Um, there were only 15 left. Okay. They were going to actually, they were going to stay because they thought, well, we can sustain 15 people. A lot easier to feed 15 than 100. And we're going to keep building so that when you guys come back with all the supplies and the people with the knowledge, it'll be ready for them. Now we're going to fast forward. 1587, a man named John White, he set out with people. I don't have the number written down, so just people. He had people. There were people. Loves people. Fair. People, people, people. (laughs) How many people? Were there people? There were a few people with John White. (laughs) John White and the people. (laughs) So John was actually not headed for Roanoke, but the captain got mad at them and he decided that they were staying at Roanoke. <laughs> if you don't stop right now, <laughs> turn gonna this turn this boat around. <laughs> exactly. So he did. And um, John White and the people were stuck in Roanoke. So they, they went to find this original colony that was started in 1585 and they could not. They did not locate it. 
but they almost immediately started to build for themselves. They, Mm -hmm. they built homes on a hill and then around that they built a palisade to keep them safe. Fair. Actually, once they built and they were, I won't say comfortable, but in homes, the very first British baby to be born in America was born. Yay! And this is actually John White's grandchild. So his daughter's child. So (laughs) the colony, once again, these people found that they just couldn't garden and stuff here. They couldn't farm, I guess. They maybe could garden. Maybe they could grow flowers like the best of them, but (laughs) can't eat those. So they had to borrow and barter and work with the native tribes and he just kept straining that relationship more and more and more as time went on they realized that john was gonna have to go back and get more supplies from england and come back to them don't know why they didn't all leave i guess they were they were well enough off they were gonna stay there they could handle him being gone they had enough yes. to sustain. and they actually did choose him to go they they decided that he was the one they wanted to send. He he kind of wanted to stay and be like their governor or whatever. And they were like, no. No. Go back and get the, free, the stuff you we You know forgot. where all the good <laughs> chips are. Go get us some good chips. So he went to fetch supplies. He went to England. When John returned to England, the queen at that time dis- declared it completely unsafe for any ships to leave England. It was because of tensions with Spain. Okay. He did try in 1588 to get back, but pirates stole all his stuff. Aw, he has really bad luck. He does have some bad luck. He he stuck for two years. He did not return to America, to Roanoke, until 1590. When he did get back, he found the settlement in disarray. The homes that had been built were actually just gone. The only thing left standing was the palisade. He he wrote in his journal that any items that had been heavy, and I, I assume these are items they had brought with them, not things that just randomly appeared. Right. But like iron, um, porta, uh, porta, not is but things that would go over like windows, iron bars. Okay. I'm yeah. just gonna go simple. Iron bars and things mm-hmm. like that were on the ground and just like kind of tossed around and they had been there a long time because they'd been grown over so plants and things were growing through them and now he did know that at one point the settlement that he had left were planning to actually travel north to try and find somewhere more appropriate to settle maybe somewhere warmer or maybe somewhere with better land or who knows maybe farther away from the natives that they'd been taken off right so, taken advantage of? Yeah, yeah. So he wondered about that, but he also said that they had buried chests of their personal items, things that weren't really of value to anyone else, but you know, like you or you or I would maybe bury our stuffies that we've had since we were children right. and journals and stuff like that. He Baby said, clothes. Yeah, exactly. Wedding dress. Exactly. So those chests had all been dug up and were actually smashed and the bits and pieces were kind of laying around. He said he even saw some of his own personal items from childhood. Which is really interesting, because why Mm -hmm. wouldn't they have taken that with them? Right. So, he also found on a tree was carved the letter C-R-O and on a pillar 
in within the I, w- I would assume on the uh, palisade was Croatoan, which was actually an island and a people, a native people that were on. Um, they were a small island a, a bit away from where the Roanoke settlement was. Mm-hmm. So he assumed that the people had left whether by force from other natives, by force from the Croatoans, or just by desperation, maybe sickness, hunger. And so they left and they went over to the Croatoans because they were the only ones friendly to the colonists at that point. (laughs) (laughs) So when Smith originally got to Roanoke again in 1590, When he returned, it was really bad weather. Seven sailors had actually passed while traveling to Roanoke. He really wanted to get over to the island of Croatola, but he could not. The weather was too bad. He did try. He got pushed off course and ended up elsewhere until he could return to England. It's not clear why he didn't return in later years. We still aren't exactly sure why the the people of the colony left. There was never an answer. Um, there were, oh, originally 116 colonists. There we go. I did just find that in another All part right. of my notes. Now, the cool thing, because it's been a, a little while. A little while. A little while. They... They've done a lot of research, which is really cool. So one of the things that I thought was really neat was that scientists went into the area where the Croatoan tribe was, and they actually dug, weirdly enough, through piles of what would be considered trash back then. So bits of like a broken dish or piles of leaves or sticks or things that just would have been in the way, or even ash from a fire (laughs) that had been scooped out. So they can find all kinds of detail from like fires and stuff, which is insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. There's more of your science. <laughs> Love me some science. <laughs> so they actually did do this and they pulled out some pieces of pottery that were in these garbage piles. And by testing ha- testing them, they found that the Croatoans had English dishware. Or pottery. Mm -hmm. And they knew this, I believe it was lead that they were looking for specifically because the English, unfortunately, we didn't know it was a bad thing to do and we made stuff with lead. Mm -hmm. And we really, really ate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was actually really cool. But that doesn't answer why. That and did the people go willingly? Or did they get killed and the Croatoan tribe went and retrieved what they could from the settlement? But, more science, they actually did start studying some of the people that still live in that area that have, and it had to be males, because it was something with the Y chromosome, I think it would be Mm -hmm. for that. They had to have native and English heritage in their blood. People, these were men who claimed to be a part of the tribe. And they studied them, and they actually found English within their genes. All right. From, you know, So there must have been some mingling. Yes. Back in the 1590s or earlier. Exactly. So, now, unfortunately, we still don't know why. We still don't know why they left. We still don't know if they were coerced. Uh, There's a theory that because they had strained their relationships with the natives so far they had to because they were just being killed off right so they went and lived with the only tribe that would accept them and of course 
they had to offer something to them so they brought their things with them and and then of course the longer you're with something like that the more you start to co-mingle mm-hmm. <laughs> start to like each other a exactly bit. And, but why would they have left so many like personal yeah 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 why so many they were things? like personal belongings right not it's not and like, right. oh, I'm going to leave, here's this trash that I don't need anymore, yeah. and these clothes I, I outgrew. It was and was it just like John's? memorial. Was it just John's stuff? Did they assume he was dead? Right. Were they like, mad? screw this guy, he never came back for Exactly. Us. We're just going to bury his stuff here and hope some Sasquatch comes Sorry. and digs it up someday. Playing footsie with you. You liked it. I do. <laughs> so yeah, did they... Did they purposely leave his stuff because you only have i mean at that point maybe they had 120 people because they had had babies maybe they had 50 people because they had been being killed Mm -hmm. so did they not have enough people to take his stuff it was specifically noted that he saw some of his things right did he find more value in them personally and he would have taken them with him he obviously did take them with him because he went from england to roanoke with this chest of stuff so did they just decide that wasn't worth it and leave it did the new tribe not accept some types of personal belongings maybe it was against their beliefs yes exactly wait you know why why and they they had time to take down the houses or was that another tribe right he didn't say there was evidence of fire or anything so it doesn't look like they burned it the palisade still stood which you would have thought if the tribe was taking something for the wood, they would have also mm-hmm. dismantled the palisade. There's just so or many if they questions. they were destroying it because they hated who had been there, they would yes. have destroyed that as well. And I feel like violently. I don't feel like... Because, you know... It's, like it would have been fire or... Yeah, yeah. Destruction. And was it just the women? Did only the women have the opportunity to escape because the men had had to go out to fight? Maybe. And what happened to the OG 15 guys that... Or, I'm sorry, I don't know if they were men. True. I did make the assumption because it was only 15 and it was a long time ago. And right. they have really let the Came women over stay. on a boat. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's a broad assumption, forgive me. So did the the people, the original 15, die? Did they yeah. end up elsewhere? Did they end up in California? <laughs> they <laughs> were like, we're out, man. Yeah, this is it. Let's this just is ridiculous. go for a walk. Or there's this like place across the country. But it's sunnier if we keep going west. Exactly. <laughs> or south, you know, did yeah, were yeah. they just looking for better weather and they were like, dude, we can't wait for you anymore. We awful. just have to move on. Yeah. And they had to be like a migrant tribe, basically. Right. So they left behind anything that wasn't necessary. And did they strain their relationship so vi- violently with the natives that they just died? Yeah. They were just murdered. They were just thrown in the woods, fed to the animals. Yeah. Bones are spread throughout the country now. Yeah. Not anymore. They're probably dust now. Anyway. So, yeah, (laughs) a lot of questions. I know that's like a... It's such a... um, I hate to use the word triggering. Kind of a triggering topic because there's so many questions to ask about it. But it's also really interesting. Well, and I love that science is improving. I love science. I love that science is (laughs) improving to a point... Or we can, we can look into the past because yeah. back then, and I think because I like I said I have heard about this from another podcast that focused more on the like ghost part of it, yeah, the scary part of it. And back then, I'm sure that was terrifying. The most likely explanation, like, yeah, 
we must have angered God and he smote everyone here or the other tribes you know we angered their gods and they had to come take out the whole colony because of it and now we have science that's like well maybe but also maybe they just like moved in with this other tribe yeah and had moved on by the time this guy back got back but now we know that there are descendants from this group of people and it really blows my mind that they didn't they didn't document anything better i guess they didn't think of themselves as pioneers right because they were just trying to make better lives for themselves. They didn't think about the fact they were changing the destiny yeah, of they didn't what's in America now, millions of people? Keep a daily journal that somebody could find someday. And especially if they were desperate for supplies. Maybe they were trading with the natives and the natives thought the... I, I don't know if natives made paper. Right. They or drew... they wanted the ink. Yeah. Or they had to use the paper to start a fire. Yeah. Yeah. That was a luxury. Yeah. We don't think of it now, but paper was a luxury right. and so i mean john uh white did keep a journal and that's why mm-hmm. we have some of this information but there's so much mystery still yeah. even with the answers we have they almost make more questions mm-hmm. because did they go with the crotones on purpose did they have to go with the crotones did they, they get forced yeah yeah and and was it all of them was it the whole happy camp did they decide they were gonna go and was it good right or did they... They were like, you know, we never really liked this John White guy anyway. Yeah, that's he why we sent him not away. not a great dad and not a great grandpa. Yeah. We should just go. Exactly. This other tribe is much nicer to us. And they have food. If you watch Pocahontas, the guy Radcliffe was terrible. So True. if he was like that, he'd be a terrible guy. Mm-hmm. Have a pug. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... And- John Smith was kind of a terrible man, too. Oh, so. uh, yes. And we know Christopher Columbus now was awful, so... He saw floating lights. He, he followed the lights. He did. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened to him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my next week's topic is actually along the same lines, but the ones, they can't be scientifically proven. I love it. Yeah, they're really fun, really creepy. My topic next week, if I can get it out of my brain is not scientific well there will be some scientific basis in it let's <laughs> not lie but it's kind of wrapped around morally gray and Ooh. morally gray characters or misunderstood bad guys you're not gonna try and um stick up for hole and caulfield are you uh, thank you i hate that book with passion uh thank you okay that's enough of an answer for me i i tried to read that book as an adult because mr kemp always told me it would make more sense when i was older it was still bad holden caulfield's just a spoiled little snotty brat who like had it good with his parents and just whined to he was the epitome of white male privilege yes am i allowed to say that being a white female yes (sighs) because even with the white privilege that we have. There are still things we do not have because we are not male. And you are right, Holden Caulfield is the epitome of whiny, rich, white boy. Teenage privilege. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, he'd be one of those people who got away with something horrifying because his yeah. dad had money. 
Absolutely. Ugh. I don't know why. Mr. Kemp, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> also, you need to Mr. Kemp, your if books. you ever listen to this, please tell me so I can feel <laughs> like I really made it somewhere in life. But also, you he can send us your unpopular uh, opinion about how the Golden <laughs> Cockfield. Yes, please or, do. I have twice said there are things we will not accept for unpopular opinions and they were different things i said we wouldn't accept something about lord of the rings probably saying that it's bad yeah we won't and then i also said that we will not accept that aragon is a good movie also true so i still stick with those Mm -hmm. you would have to give a pretty convincing argument to convince me that Catcher in the Rye was a worthwhile book, or that Holden Caulfield was a worthwhile character. I may accept that Catcher in the Rye is an okay book if you read it with the understanding that Holden Caulfield is an awful person. Yeah, I just found it hard to get through. It was like one of those, he's so bad it's painful. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kemp is actually going to be really disappointed. He's going to be so disappointed. No, I just want, all I'm thinking about now is that I hope Mr. Kemp is listening to this episode. It will totally make my life. We should probably Mr. Facebook Kemp him when this episode comes out and be like, yo, look, we you talk about you all. Basically guest star yeah. in this episode. Which, yeah. is, which is fitting because we did have that class together our senior year. Yes, he gave us the two peas in a pod award. <laughs> Which we just said in unison, like, yep. wow. Yep. So anyway, yes. so anyway, this is a pretty good episode. This mm-hmm. was a good 10th episode. I love it. Mm-hmm. We're, this is amazing. We're great. Thank you guys for listening to 10 yes. of our podcasts. Thank you so much. Oh, if you'd consider, not you, Brie, mm. them, the listeners, them, them, mm-hmm. all of them, <laughs> it would be amazing if you guys have a second to kind of go social media crazy and like like us and share us share us would be amazing tell us how tell us how awesome we are but also tell others how awesome we are give us ratings Mm -hmm. it really helps us out um we're learning this as we go really helps us out if you follow us on whatever platform you're listening on spotify spotify radio or whatever youtube even if you follow us on youtube um share whenever you can would be amazing just um give us a little boost we would appreciate it greatly and we'll probably thank you on air it's true on air like we're on the radio yeah well like we don't yeah. need to edit this and make sure that we only have a few mistakes get high like in the air <laughs> get high in the air <laughs> on helping somebody is gonna be so confused if they listen to 10 before they listen to anything else they'll just have to start from the beginning we did tell them to stop and start that's true stop and start <laughs> we are a little demanding it's true about our stopping and starting. <laughs> it's very important that you stop and start when we tell you to. Mm-hmm. Stop. Start. <laughs> so, that would be amazing if you guys would consider that. It does help us a lot. And anybody who shares and, and talks about us just gets a word out a little bit more and more. And we appreciate it. So Absolutely. Much. And we love you. Yeah. Thanks. This has been Dungeons and and Dopamine. Dopamine.